the didgeridoo means it's time for the Australia News Desk. Here's two of the craziest guys we could find south of the equator. It's Steve Vischer and Grant McHaren from the Plain Crazy Down Under podcast. Okay, gentlemen, you're both now accomplished Earth Rounders. Uh, Dick, I believe, how many times have you gone around the planet? Uh, five times, actually, by air, and then I drove around once, plus a few times with Qantas. <laughs> the self-loading freight, I'm not sure that counts. But <laughs> and Ryan, you've just completed your first one. Uh, it was only a year ago you were here quite nervously on stage telling us how you were going to do this, and then at Avalon, caught up with you there, and the planning was coming along well, and now you've done it. Yeah, it's all a little bit surreal, but I uh, touched down in Wollongong uh, last Saturday, um, morning after a two-month, one-week solo flight around the world. And I understand that uh, you had a piece of property that uh, Dick uh, loaned to you for the flight. I did. It was, you know, when this was a surreal kind of uh, out there idea in my head that I didn't really believe could happen, I actually emailed Dick before anyone else. I hadn't even talked to mum or dad. And Dick's support, along with Ken Evers, who flew the airband around the world in 2010, that was the support that I needed to, you know, know that I could do this. And then I went to mum and dad and, and uh, asked that question after I did the dishes one night. So, um, no, that was really good. Uh, and then as we, you know, as we planned, I had a few meetings with Dick, and that included uh, being passed on a, a piece of uh, fabric from the Southern Cross from, uh, it was actually uh, Sir Charles Kingsford Smith's uh, aircraft obviously and for me that was huge not only not only to have that and take it with me but my granddad's first flight which you know brought aviation to our family was with Kingsford Smith in the Southern Cross when he was a young boy wow. so uh, I had all that there and uh, and took it with me all the way around the world it was very good to, to take it with me. Uh, that's great and uh, Dick how was it when you got an email out of the blue from a young man about flying around the world? Well I was a bit skeptical I must admit I don't think I was quite as positive as Ryan says I was because actually what worries me is people who are doing things, especially young. Look, I flew around the world when I was 38 years of age and I found it damn hard and very frightening. And here's someone 19. I mean, obviously, I must have been pretty immature at <laughs> 39, wasn't I? To me, it's a, an extraordinary effort of what he's done because solo flying, I've done quite a bit of flying solo and quite a bit with co-pilots. And solo flying is the hardest one because you're by yourself. And sometimes when the, when the weather's good and you've got it on the autopilot, there's nothing better. But flying in at night, I noticed, uh, Ryan, when you cross the Pacific, that huge leg that Kingston Smith did, the first about 2,100 nautical miles, that you landed at night. Is that right on the States? Uh, it was. I took <laughs> off uh, with the idea that I would land in the, the, you know, kind of at last light, so I had daylight. But 15 hours and, and headwinds, uh, I did. I arrived about 9 p.m. in Van Nuys. 9, 9 p.m. at Van Nuys, which is a very busy airport. Very compared to Australia, we all know that, and to go in there and fly a sophisticated little plane in there and do it perfectly, well, it's a credit to him, because how many hours was it, by the way? Uh, it was 15. I took off in the dark and yeah. the sun come up in front of me, went over the top and set behind me. <laughs> 15 hours of flying and then to be able to do a competent landing, not bad. Oh, that's pretty fantastic. And We've spoken to a number of people who do uh, long distance ferry flights and so on. We always ask, how do you keep occupied? Now, we know from our chats with you that you are keeping yourself very occupied, checking fuel flows and all that. There must have been times in between, though. You did get a bit of chance to uh, enjoy the view, didn't you? Yeah, there was a, f a fair few times, depending on the leg, you know, how much fuel did I have and, and what were the conditions and, you know, how was I feeling kind of thing. The long leg there, the 15-hour one, I was worried the whole way. I didn't turn music on. I didn't do anything except fuel calculations literally for about 13 hours. And uh, I got those tailwinds in the end and then I was, uh, I kind of breathed a sigh of relief. But on the other legs, um, you know, I flew down from Scotland to uh, Leeds in England and, and across the White Cliffs of Dover. So I saw the whole UK in about three hours uh, from about 5,500 feet. That was fantastic so for yeah there was legs where you got to have a look but then there was also legs that 
know, you were you know, concentrating. It's interesting, uh, three and a half hours or so to go the whole length of the UK and yet you'd still be just in one state here. Yeah, and every ocean, of course, looking down its water and uh, Ryan knows that if you had an engine failure, he'd land, probably have about one and a half minutes before the plane sinks. Maybe his little plane might float like, slightly more than a chopper, but then it was get out the life raft and climb into it and hope that someone comes and rescues you. And, of course, as we fly over a big expanse of water, the engine automatically knows it and automatically changes its sound. Did you did you get that feeling at any points? Uh, when I went across the Pacific, I got to the other end in, and I was in California. I got onto the phone to my mentor and I said, this overflowing, you know, over, over water flying is not even that bad. This is great. I didn't even care there was water there. And, and I think that's because I was so busy with so many other things that HF radio is uh, you know, a thing in its own. When I got to the other side and I started the water crossings back home, I hated it. <laughs> I hated it because I was so uh, much more relaxed with the airplane that, you know, I had more time to think about being over water. The last leg into Broome, 40 miles off the coast, I could see Australian, you know, beaches, which I'd longed to see for a long time. And there was an RFDS jet going in there on a medivac, so they made me orbit 40 miles off the coast in circles. And, um, you know, I didn't enjoy that part of it at all. So. <laughs> so, Ryan, Dick was just mentioning about ditching in the ocean. How much preparation and how many times did you do these cockpit drills to get it ingrained as a muscle memory? Uh, we had discussions about the Cirrus and the parachute and whether you should pull that over water or not because it you know has a different effect over water than it does on the ground due to the undercarriage and what absorbs what. And uh, so I went through the drill a number of times but more importantly I did a, a Westpac helicopter underwater escape training course and learned to swim upside down and I did that and I learned about the life rafts and everything that I would have to use that you know so if I did have to use it there on the day it wasn't a surprise as to how it actually worked. So you wouldn't have to pull out the instruction sheet? No not at all no <laughs> it was uh, it was a great course and then obviously we talked about it a lot with very experienced ferry pilots and I talked about it with people who'd uh, had experiences that weren't so good and in that way we could learn from their mistakes and not do the same. Now, the two of you are uh, members of the uh, Earth Rounders. Dick, I hear you were saying that there's a few other folks have been here today, including one very famous gentleman. There's one very famous person here, Hans Sulstrup, who's the first. Ryan might be the youngest person in the world to fly solo around the world, but Hans is the first Australian to fly solo around the world in a fixed-wing aircraft, and he's floating around somewhere. <laughs> so look for Hans Sulstrup. He also took the first open boat around Australia, and he started those incredible solar vehicle races from Darwin to Adelaide. So he's like, he flew up with me in the citation this morning and he's here. He's a great Aussie adventurer. He's also, by the way, drove with Larry Perkins from Perth to Sydney, the first solar vehicle across Australia. Plus he's also driven in that incredible V8 race at Bathurst. So he's done a few things. Yeah, so uh, we, yeah, we know Larry Perkins with his Larry Logger is very, uh, very famous piece of equipment that. Uh, Absolutely. I believe it's in Matt Hall's aircraft and so on. Now, yeah, Dick, you said you arrived in your citation. Uh, it was very distinctive that, oh, there's a citation, it's got to be Dick Smith. I was sitting in the back. I've just come 21 hours in, the, uh, in a Qantas aeroplane and arrived this morning. So I decided to sit in the back and be flown up with two of my mates. Ah, <laughs> <laughs> oh, nice. So, Mr. Ryan, what next? You've, uh, you've got back. Uh, are you going to relax for a while or is it, uh, have you got another plan that you're launching into? Uh, at the moment, we're kind of tying up all the loose ends and, and trying to organise all the you know, all the stuff to just kind of wrap it all up, wrap the world flight up. And then uh, the plan is to start promoting what could be uh, a fantastic schools tour for next year. So we'd love to take the Cirrus around around the world. Uh, it's not my aircraft, so uh, it, you know that may not be achievable. It all depends on what support we can get to, to do that. But what we're doing is uh, trying to, to plan something where we can go around Australia, we can promote to young kids, uh, literally just educate them on what age is it, you know, uh, what age 
age can you fly solo? What age can you get your private or your commercial? How much does it cost? And use uh, hopefully my example to show that you can fund it yourself and you can actually do it. It's so achievable. It's just the issue I see is with the lack of a young eagles program or something similar here in Australia, we don't educate young kids and we don't, you know, they just don't know the opportunities there. So if we can change that next year, you know, we'll, we'll try and do that. And then uh, after that, I'll uh, get a real job, I think. <laughs> Got to pay the bill somehow. Uh, it's been an amazing year. We've had Dave Jacker become the first quadriplegic to fly solo around the uh, coastline of Australia. Ryan, you become the youngest man to fly uh, solo around the world. Uh, in fact, on your aircraft, if you look really carefully, it's really tiny, but you'll see plane crazy down under, cast and crew. We joined the 500 club and I understand uh, you're one of the main sponsors behind the scenes oh well we, we were certainly there going yay and <laughs> doing all we could to promote but uh, yeah there's a little patch on there that says we were here so I was glad that we were able to be there part way and help go, help you go around we're looking forward to doing an official uh, catch up and debrief Ryan Dick thank you both so much for coming on the show today real pleasure absolutely thank you so much thanks guys